Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Jay even wanted me to get 60. I don't know how I was going to do that. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Happy New Year. Well not yet, It's uh, I guess it's, it's New Year's Eve here at the moment in Australia. I guess a lot of you people who uh, are listening to this podcast overseas, it's probably New Year's Eve by the time you are listening to this. So I'll, I'll get it out of the way now and wish you guys a happy new year and a very safe and prosperous 2017 in both fantasy basketball world and in real life. Thank you for uh, all your support throughout the 2016 year across uh, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast when it was previously known as the Red Rock Fantasy Basketball podcast and of course for your support over on Basketball Monster as well, myself and Ken and Kyle and Matt and Greg over at Basketball Monster all wish you all a happy new year as well. We've got basketball to talk about though. We've got some uh, very, very interesting things that went down on Friday. So I'm going to talk about all of those and then preview a six-game Saturday in the NBA for DFS purposes. So let's get to it. To it. I will. All right, let's start off with the monstrous line of the night. And there was a couple of ways that this one could have gone, but in the end, it went to Isaiah Thomas of the Boston Celtics. He was uh, he was quite ridiculous, in fact. 52 points for Isaiah, including 29 of those in the fourth quarter. He hit nine triples, not a lot else. Two rebounds, zero assists, which is weird. One steal, but 15 of 26 from the field is fantastic. 13 of 13 from the line is also obviously fantastic. And over the last uh, eight games... Isaiah Thomas is averaging 32.5 points. He is the fifth-ranked player in that time frame. 3.6 triples, 6 assists. His steal numbers are probably what keeps him out of elite fantasy point guard conversations. He's at 0.8 this season. He was 1.1 last year, 0.9 the year before. And that probably keeps him out of that that uh, conversation. But what has happened this year with Al Horford in town is it's bumped his efficiency. He was a 42 and 43% shooter the last two seasons. He's at 45% this year, and he's at 52% over the last two weeks. He's shooting 90% from the line, one of the biggest influences of the free throw category in the entire NBA, a top three player in that area. And over the last two weeks, he's hitting 41% of his threes. Now, he's not normally that much of an elite shooter, especially the true shooting of 70% is something that's not not realistic to maintain, but he is at 61% true shooting on the season, taking his efficiency up a significant jump forward this season. The assists are at six a game. So we're talking about Damian Lillard, basically. Good scoring, great scoring, great three-pointers, volume three-pointers, middling assists, poor steals, very high free throw percentage on big volume, and a player who previously was a a bit of a drag on your field goal percentage, but has upped it this year. 
So basically, he's been Damien Lillard almost almost identically and really ramping it up in, in massive, massive ways the last couple of weeks. Do I view Thomas as a top five guy? Of course, I don't. Do I view him as a top 10 guy? No. Could he finish the season as a top 20 guy? Of course, he could. I think he probably fades at some point, just a little bit, with some of the efficiency stuff. Maybe that dips somewhat. Maybe this ridiculous scoring run that he's on ends at, or not maybe, it will end at some point, and he finds himself maybe in the 20 to 25 type of range. But that's not a disappointment. And there's really yeah, probably a 50-50 chance he finishes inside the top 50, which is where he currently is. But it has been a remarkable thing for Thomas. But for some reason, I can just never shake the feeling with Thomas that it's going to fall off at some point. I don't know what that is. I guess, I think some of it is me thinking, you know, forward thinking when the Celtics are going to have to offer him a $150 million contract. And I think in two, three years time, that's going to look really, really terrible. But maybe that's what's in my head. I just think there's just a dip coming with Thomas. And he's one of those guys, and I have this theory, and I need to do more research on it. The players that don't come into the league as elite players and then develop into them, they tend to have a more severe drop-off than players who may have come in at an elite level. It's just a theory that I have, but I do need to check it. Or players who had to work extraordinarily hard to get to that level, sometimes there can be somewhat of an earlier drop-off. But I am going to look into that and do a little bit more research so it's not just a gut-feel thing with that. But Thomas has been ridiculous, not taking anything away from him at all, putting up big, big numbers and doing it consistently and being a fourth-quarter hero for the Celtics, getting them victories when really... They're lucky to pull them out against undermanned teams, um, you know, against against the Heat today, who without Goran Dragic, you know, he was able to pull pull it off and uh, and have that big fourth quarter. So really rescuing them a lot of the time this season, and I'm sure that they are they love the fact that they've got him on on, uh, on their team. The waiver wire line of the night. If you saw this one coming, your your um you either are a good guesser. Or you've got a copy of Gray's Almanac because Trey Burke is your waiver wire line of the night. And Burkey, he went off 27 points for Trey Burke, five triples. He played alongside John Wall for big chunks of the night. Two boards, two assists, two steals. He was 10 of 12 from the field, a very un-Trey Burke-like performance, and hit both of his free throws. He has been fairly lackluster this season, and I think that's somewhat of an understatement. He's outside the top 340 on the year. This was a game where Brad Beal was out, and I anticipated Marcus Thornton would get the bigger load. He didn't, mainly because Trey Burke was on fire. Now, Sheldon McClellan started in place of Beal, but with Burke on fire, and really, shooting guard is probably his best position. Unfortunately, he's just way too small to be a shooting guard, and that leaves him without a role long-term in the NBA. He's a shooting guard stuck in a point guard's body, and that's that's probably the real concern with him. I don't believe he really should have even been in the rotation ahead of Tomas Satoransky. I've said that plenty of times as the point backup point guard on this team. So I wouldn't be reading into this game and going, oh, yeah, you know what? Trey Burke probably going to go at 80% every game from now on. But to be fair to Burke, over the last couple of weeks, he is shooting at 55%. And that's massive. His first three years gave you 38, 37, and 41%. He's a 47% shooter this year. He's a 48% from three shooter. He's shooting 62% from three over the last three weeks. So there's a couple of things that tells me. A pretty steep regression is coming, or he's improved significantly as a shooter. I'll go with the former. I think that he won't maintain 55 and 62. That's That goes without saying, and no one believes that. But I also think the 47 and 48 from the field and from three regresses, because he is just, this year, for some reason, a 68% free throw shooter, and that's not all that common. I did look this up today because I was curious 
about players who are great free th- uh, great three-point shooters who can't hit free throws. And the way that I use my cutoff with that, I used a, a great three-point shooter, which is probably even being a little bit kind. I said players who have had seasons of three attempts per game and 38% of their threes, that's what I classified as a great three-point shooter. It's very loose definition. And then I said, if you're a poor free throw shooter, you're hitting less than 72% of your free throws, which again is probably being a little bit kind. But over the entire history of the NBA, there has been 66 of those seasons. So that tells you that it doesn't happen that often. It's not it's not a common thing for a guy to be a, a great three-point shooter and a lousy free throw shooter. I was looking this up, looking this up for the uh, reasons of Brandon Ingram, who is a horrible free throw shooter had one good three-point shooting season in uh, college and is a absolute disgraceful shooter so far in the NBA, wondering you know, his elite shooting, which we hear about, whether it actually is elite and how likely it is for him to become a, a great three-point shooter. But I bring that up only because Trey Burke is shooting 48% from three and 68% from the line. Those things don't go together very often and likely he will uh, he will dip and he will uh, he will drop back off at some point. So there's no reason for me to go and add him. Look, even in a 20-team league, I would be leaving Trey Burke alone. He's a 30-team guy, and even given the way that he's played this year, he's a 30-team guy at best. I would still probably own him in a 30-team, given he has sort of he has improved. But as a backup point guard in 14 minutes a game, giving you 0.7 assists, probably not the backup point guard you're looking for, Washington. Although Trey Burke disagrees that they have the worst bench in the league. If you want to hear more about Trey Burke and the Washington Wizards, Locked On Wizards is one of them podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network. And whatever team you want to listen to, we've got you covered. So go and check out the Locked On Podcast Network. Listen to your favorite team. Listen to the podcast that has the information on whatever fantasy player you want to listen to. If you can get some inside scoop on that guy, maybe that's the advantage you need. We have a podcast for every team across the network, plus Locked On NBA with David Locke once a week. So go and check out those podcasts and uh, download them and give them a review if you like what you hear, which I am sure that you will. The Young Gun of the Night. Yes, Joshy Richardson. Not only is Joshy Richardson back, but he is back in a dominating fashion. 19, 6, and 8. Two threes, four steals, two blocks. 8 of 17 from the field. Now, I did talk about him the other day saying, you know, that he said his wrist is fine, his knee was bothering him, and it was all good now. Turns out he wasn't talking shit. What, 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 what is happening here with Josh Richardson? Coming into the season, I was very excited about him, mainly because... I knew that he wouldn't shoot 46% from three again. Wasn't banking on that whatsoever. But what I was excited about is him having secondary ball handling duties, getting his assist numbers way up, which we saw in, in Summer League, um, and his ability to block shots and get steals is fantastic as a, as a shooting guard, one of the best shot-blocking guards in the NBA. And what we've seen here over the last three games, Joshy Richardson is the 12th-ranked player. He's averaging 20 points, five rebounds, 4.3 assists, two steals, one block, and 2.3 triples. Everything that I hoped. I didn't hope, I didn't had, had no idea that he could do it in this volume, and it is only three games. And he's shooting 53 from the field and 44 from three. Expect them to come back a little bit, but if it truly was the knee that was causing these problems and he is fine now, look out. Now, the return of Goran Dragic, the return of Dion Waiters is going to impact him. There's no doubt about that. It's going to cut two, three, four minutes maybe off, but he is the future of this team. Him, Justice Winslow, Tyler Johnson, Hassan White. So they're the future. Dragic is not the future. And Dion Waiters is not the future. Joshy Richardson is the future. So I don't believe that he's going to be going and playing 26 minutes so that Waiters can get his 34. 
Richardson will get 30. He will possibly get 32-33. Dragic is still going to do his thing, but the way that they're developing Richardson has been fantastic, and you would have heard me go on and on about him last season. I really, really like what he can do. I went on and on about him after last season's summer league, talking about how good I thought he was and how much of a great replacement he was for Dwayne Wade when Wade leaves or, or retires. And this was two years ago, and it's it's coming to fruition now. goes without saying, got to own him everywhere. There'll be a drop-off from this, n- no doubt. He's not going to average 25-4 and four with two steals and a block and two triples on 53 and, and 100% from the line. Impossible for him to do. But he's going to be good. He's going to have opportunity, and at least we've seen him do it again, and we've seen him do it. He's seen him seen him take on a new role and excel in it, and it's really, really exciting for Josh Richardson. So I own him in a few leagues, and I've stuck with him in the 14-teamers, and I believe I've stuck with him in a couple of 12-teamers, but it was hard. There was no doubt it was hard because he was just missing every single shot. But it's all coming back nicely now. It's all looking pretty impressive uh, at the moment, and... Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for what the rest of the season brings for Richardson. If this is his ceiling, then that's well, this is his ceiling because he's doing it. It's uh, it's pretty bloody awesome. Speaking of bloody awesome, speaking of excited, speaking of rapturous enjoyment, the dud of the night goes to Rajon Rondo from the Chicago Bulls. Rondo had a stellar zero point zero rebound. One, sorry, 0.03, one rebound, one assist, zero steals, zero blocks night, going 0 of 2 from the field. He played 11 minutes, and his ass got benched. Yes. Yes. I'm a Bulls fan. You know that. I hated Rondo signing with the Bulls. Hated it. Despised it. Can't stand him. Think he's a terrible player. He's a negative and has been for the last six or seven years. The NBA doesn't seem to realize that, or some people in the NBA don't seem to realize that. But kudos to Fred Hoiberg. You talk about him being somewhat of a soft cock and not being able to stand up to players in the locker room. He made the right move. This is the right move to put Rondo on the bench. I know that his replacements aren't exciting, Michael Carter-Williams, Jaron Grant, but they're better than Rondo because they try, because they put in an effort on offense, or sorry, on defense, um, because Carter Williams is actually a very good defender. Because on offense, they don't destroy the total flow of everything. And it was just yesterday on the podcast when I was talking about me calling Rondo putrid and talking about how his stats his stats are fine if he gets the role, but I think his basketball ability is so poor that at some point it could potentially cost him his role. And 12 hours later, that's exactly what happened. Now, we don't know 100% whether Rondo is benched for good. Fred Hoiberg said he hasn't made that decision yet. Bulls reporters, bloggers that I speak to think that it's pretty much done. That Rondo will be benched for the uh, for the immediate future and Carter Williams will be running things. So we'll see how that goes for Saturday when the Bulls take on the Bucks. I would not be dropping Rondo just yet. But if Carter Williams starts Saturday and if Carter Williams plays 29-30 minutes... I'd be okay with dropping Rondo. It's not like you're dropping a top 50 player. He's ranked outside the top 100 this year. And yes, he is giving you six and a half assists. So six and a half rebounds and seven assists and 1.3 steals. Yes, he's doing that. But if he gets 12 minutes a night, if he gets 15 minutes a night, he's not doing that. 
it's really going to be an interesting situation to see. Michael Carter-Williams, on the flip side of this, got to be looked at everywhere. Now, he is a concern, obviously, with percentages. But last season, not not a big concern, to be honest. He was a 45% shooter from the field. He was a not a great free throw shooter, but not a punt free throw guy. And he's actually at 85% this year from the free throw line. He's at 25% from the field, but his free throws are, are well up this year. And he has taken the steps to become a guy where it was basically Emmanuel Moutier style, you've got to punt both percentages, to being a guy that's a, just a marginal negative in both percentages, and it can be dealt with. And then he can rack up 15 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals. Basically, he can do what Rondo does without being a dick and being someone who tries defensively. So you get the good of Rondo, minus the bad of Rondo, minus some of the bad of Rondo, with the same some of the same bad things mixed in. Carter Williams can be owned in every league. It doesn't have to be your team. You have to look at your team. Now, how, how tenuous is your field goal percentage? Where's it sitting? Are you punting it? Sure, grab him. How's your free throws? I don't think he's too much of an issue there. He can rack up the stats, and this is the, the perfect chance to look at it and say, let's, uh, let's make a swing for the fences and let's hope that we get Mick because in the right punt build, he, can, he legit can be a top 60 player. That's not hyperbolic. That's, uh, I think that's fair to say. As for Rondo, let's just see how it goes. But finally, I feel like a lot of the things that I say on this podcast or that I write or wherever I say them, that most of them come true eventually. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes I look like an idiot for two months. But eventually it comes true. There'll be plenty of things that I'm sure that you can give me examples of that I've said that have never come true. And that's fine. But eventually, the things that I say, a lot of the things that I say, a lot of things that I think come true. And it's uh, it's great to see as someone who talks about this shit for, for a living and also someone who is a Bulls fan to see Rondo's ass stapled to the bench for the entire second half. Let's uh, let's go Bulls. Let's see how it all uh, all plays out. But there is definitely some uh, value to be mined there. And when I talk about Chicago later on, going to have some other interesting things to say about that about that team. All right, let's move into these games now. Talk about them in a, a little bit of extra detail, as we always like to do at this point in the show. The first game is the Chicago Bulls and the Indiana Pacers. So we'll transition into that. Now, I did mention this on yesterday's podcast as well, is that Robin Lopez has been getting annihilated. And... He got benched as well. 19 minutes for Rob, 2-2 two and two with a block. And the Bulls went with combinations that I enjoyed. They went with Miritich and Taj Gibson to a degree. Miritich played 27 minutes, 8-6 and six with two triples and three blocks. He was not great, Miritich, 3 of 14 shooting. But anytime you get two triples, three blocks, and six rebounds, that should pique your interest. And the fact that he's gone from 21 minutes a night over the last two weeks to 26 to 27 minutes a night with the potential now pushing maybe a little bit higher got to own him. I think you've got to own him with this change in philosophy. The other guy you really do have to look at is Chris Felicio. He closed the game out here in place of Lopez. And really, whenever he's gotten a chance, he's been good. 12 and 12 and 22 minutes for Chris. Two assists, one steal, and efficient. Four or five from the field, four or five from the line. And you know what we saw last season? He closed out games for Pau Gasol at the end of the year and did the exact same thing. His, his re- offensive rebound percentage this year is absolutely through the roof. He's grabbing rebounds at a huge rate. He can do it in a starting role because we have seen it. We've only seen it for a few games, but we have seen it. And when I've seen it, 
it, it makes me think it's not pure speculation because it's like, okay, I, I've seen it. And I saw it here again. And Lopez just continually getting annihilated by a big Z player. And this was the risk in, in this one of playing on Turner, like a big who can stretch him out, is going to kill him. I, I want to see more Gibson, more Miritich, more Felicia. I want to see more Miritich-Felicia combos. I think that could work. I would love to see that. Now, I'm a, a fan of Taj. He's got balls of steel. He's got a heart of gold. He's a real worker, but he's 30, 31 years old, and he, he's just a grinder. That's what he is. To, to me, he's a grinder. It would have loved for him to get a start in job five years ago, but at this point, there's no real no real point in it. So Felizio is a guy we want to look at. He's not a 12-teamer, but he is a, a speculative. He's a 16-teamer, and he's a spec 14-teamer. Whereas Miritich, I'd look in 12s and Carter Williams in 12. Now, Carter Williams went 12 and 8 with a block, with a 3. He was 4 of 10 from the field and 3 of 3 from the line. So not only did he hit all three of his free throws, but he actually got to the line. Unlike Rondo, who's been there five times this month and hit one of them. Really good night from Carter Williams in 27 minutes. Should be encouraging for you. Dwayne Wade, 22 and 5. Or Jimmy Butler, 25, 6 and 3 with a couple of steals. Not much else to talk about with the Bulls, but they are, they're huge things. They're, they're huge things that Hoiberg... His options are limited, but make you make the right choices and and hopefully look they they still got beaten the Bulls so it wasn't like it was a a big decision that turned everything around. But I think it's the right one and we'll see. I'm less sure about the Felicio Lopez one and what that means for for Muratich and, and Felicio and Taj and, and Lopez and all those guys. But the Carter Williams Rondo one, I'm uh I'm like 92% convinced that we're going to see MCW starting against his former team when we get to Saturday. On the Pacers side of things, Paul George's lack of threes has disappeared. Another three triples here. He was efficient as well. Nine of nine from the line and 10 of 20 from the field. 32 points, a couple of steals and four rebounds. So a nice little bounce back from Paul George after a quite disappointing December. And a little dog, Glenn Robinson III, had a nice 12 and 10 double-double in his 24 minutes. Hit all four of his shots, but that's the thing. He had four shots and his usage is just so minuscule in this starting lineup, so don't look at this and get overly excited. 15-3 and three for Miles Turner with four blocks is just getting it done, and 36 minutes for Thad Young, giving him 17-6. and six. Well, Jeff Teague, not a, not a great night from Jeff. My name is Jeff. Seven points for Teague, six rebounds, and the shooting was two of 13, which is quite abysmal, but a career-high 17 assists helps you out, as does the two steals. Surprisingly, we didn't get crazy Aaron Brooks again, and... 62% of people own Monte Ellis. Not really sure why. He played 13 minutes off the bench. He took two shots. Monte Ellis seems... Now, I don't know if this is the case. This is me speculating. But he just seems like he's a pissy child at the moment. He's like, he's just like, fine. Don't, don't want me to shoot. Never shooting again. And that's what it feels like. Oh, you all think I shoot too much? Well, how about this? Never shooting it. That's what it feels like with Ellis at the moment. He's just being petulant. Or, or maybe he's just being told, doing what he's told, which which could be the case as well. There's no reason to own Monte. Yes, he's coming back from an injury, but before the injury, he was playing 22 minutes a night. So it's not like, oh, we're just going to ramp him up to his 30. I just don't think that'll happen. There's Little Dog, CJ Miles, Rod Stuckey when he returns, Monte Ellis. They're going to share the minutes at the two. And it's just not happening for Monte again. And he's still got two years left on that contract. It's going to look better and better as the seasons progress, but it's still not ideal. Brooklyn and Washington. Oh, yeah. Karis LeVert. 24 minutes for Karis. It's real. 12-3-1. Two threes, two steals. Four or five shootings a little excessive, 
But um, told you about this guy. I love him. I really think he's going to be a good fantasy player and a good NBA player. And it always goes down to my golden rule. Who's ahead of him? How's the path for minutes? It's pretty open. Joe Harris, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, Sean Kilpatrick, Isaiah Whitehead. Like, it's a pretty open path for minutes. So it was a blowout, so he got some extended run. But I'll tell you, and I'll keep telling you, this kid is good. He's very good. And by the time we hit middle of February... If I if he is out there playing 30 minutes a night, he will be a top 100 guy. You can put it in the bank, and there is a legitimate chance. It's a chance. It's, it's a small chance, but it's it's real that he is the best ranked rookie at the end of the year. That sounds stupid at this point, but he could have such a storming finish to the year, and he's got such a great fantasy game that it, that it could happen. No way is he a guy to add in 12s at this point. Love him in dynasties. Own him in dynasty myself. Love him in those formats. Love looking at him in a in an 18 or a 20 teamer. Maybe even stretch to a 16 teamer. But really like what I see from him. Trev Booker under 20 minutes. Got the scoring back. 16 and 7 with three triples. No longer do I believe he is a standard league guy. While Brookie Lopez, not his best night. 11, 5, and 6. Boyan played 21 minutes with 12 points. Leave him for the 14 teamers. Well, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson... Not a good percentage night, just going four of six from the line, but 46% from the field, 16 and five, an assist and a steal. He's creeping up. He's coming into the the zone where we look at it and go, okay, do I grab Rondé in 12s yet? The answer is probably still no, but he's gone from 18 a night to 21 a night, down to 29 a night, and I would love to see a, a Lynn, Levert, Rondé, one, two, three lineup, or even some small ball, Lynn, Kilpatrick, Levert, RHJ, at the four. I'd love to see that sort of situation roll because Booker's not a part of the future of this team. And getting some quality minutes from Hollis Jefferson at the four could really unlock a lot of things for both his fantasy value and guys like Levert and Kilpatrick and that as well. So he's definitely a guy that we need to keep an eye on. Now, it wasn't Kilpatrick's best night, only the 23 minutes, seven and two. I still want to own him though with um, with Jezza Lin out. And Isaiah Whitehead started six points, two assists in 25 minutes. There are plenty of scrap heap type point guards at the moment who have got short-term starting gigs that you would want over Isaiah Whitehead. For the Wizards, speaking of scrap heap point guards, of course, Trey Burke. We talked about him already. Johnny Wall just gets it done. 19-2 and 14. Four steals, one block and one triple. Been amazing this season. He's been a first-round talent. And you got him at a significant discount in drafts because of the knees. And it was a fair enough discount because you had to be fairly nervous about a bloke coming off knee surgery, double knee surgery, who didn't know when he'd be ready to start the year. But he's not only started the year on time, but he's playing as balls out as anybody. Marching Gortat, 19 and 13, a steal and a block. Good numbers from Gortat. While Otto Porter only took the 10 shots again, much to my chagrin. But still 12-4-2, two triples, a steal and a block, getting it done there. Markeith Morris was limited by foul trouble to 21 minutes, 10 and 6 in his playing time. While Sheldon McClellan started for Bradley Beal. Eight points with two assists for Sheldon, while Marcus Thornton, had eight, three, and five with two triples in 21 minutes. It is, uh, it's worth remem- reminding people that Marcus Thornton was traded uh, for Isaiah Thomas from the Celtics. So that, um, yeah, so the Celtics uh, Suns fans just uh, remember that that Marcus Thornton was the player that you got in exchange for Isaiah Thomas. He was okay here, but we're talking about 16 team league situation if Beal happens to be out for longer longer term than, than this game, which it doesn't appear it's going to be too long of a situation for Brattles. On to Miami and Boston. No Goran Dragic. 
So we had uh, Scooter Magruder starting again. He is the uh, well, he's not a he's not a placeholder starter. The ones that I hate, he's not the ones that come in and start and play ten minutes, twelve minutes, five minutes. He starts, but he does nothing in those starts. He's a he's a little dog at the moment, really. Twenty nine minutes for Scooter, five two and five. I understand. I understand the way that Miami runs his rotation. I've got no no issue with it. But again, it's not. It's just an, another illustration of why you shouldn't look at things or why people should never go. Yeah, but he's starting. Probably want to own him. Like it doesn't matter. It means it means nothing. It's good for him though as an undrafted rookie starting. The, the amount of undrafted rookies starting this year, big minutes. Like that aren't doing anything. Like him and Dorian Finney-Smith has been a little bit amazing. Jimmy Johnson, twenty-four minutes for Jim. This is why I like him. 22, 3, and 6. Four triples, two steals, two blocks. Continually getting dicked by Eric Spolstra, which is annoying, because he's comfortably their best four. Or comfortably. Not even a consideration. He is a guy that is barely outside the top 100 for the season in his 23 minutes. So that means in a 12-team league, if Spolstra realizes that, shit, you know what? Johnson's better than Luke Babbitt. He's better than Derek Williams, who didn't play. He needs to be getting 30 minutes. The upside there is potentially top 75 for Jim. I own him in 14-teamer, and I have owned him in 12s before, and I, I absolutely think that you can consider it. His ability to get those triple one stats, especially the steals and blocks, is fantastic. And then he and he adds in the 22 points and 6 assists on a night like this, and you are, you are really happy with it. Tyler Johnson's been fantastic. Love him in 12s. 19, 4, and 6 for Johnson. Borderline 10 teamer. Uh, 14 points for Wayno Ellington in his 30 minutes. You know, don't love that he gets 30 minutes, but at least it didn't take minutes away from anyone else. He is a, a, a deeper league sort of player. Well, Justice Winzo. Love that Justice Winzo's added the assist to his game. Another 6 here. 9 boards, 11, 11 points. A, a decent line. He's just such a drain on your percentages. He was, again, he was just 5 of 13 here, 1 of 2 from the line and is outside the top 200 this year. He will fit certain builds for 12-teamers, uh, for but he is not a must-own player, and I would have him beneath Richardson, beneath Tyler Johnson, probably beneath Jimmy Johnson as well. That's how I sort of view those Miami players. He just has the occasional stretch and does good stuff on the floor, but it doesn't necessarily translate fantastically into fantasy at the moment. Al Horford bounced back after a pretty rough month, to be honest, 21-6-4 with three triples and did it on 8 of 12 shooting. Still just the 6 rebounds, though. Never going to be a big rebounder. And his lack of rebounding has really is what, what has allowed Avery Bradley to more than double his rebound rate this season. Now, Bradley was out of this one. They started Marcus Smart at the 2. 34 minutes for Smarty. 6, 4, and 2. 2 steals. Uh, a pretty piss-poor shooting night again from Smart. 1 of 7. But again, just getting a couple of things that just help you. The 2 steals, the 2 assists. Yeah, nice numbers. More a punt field goal, 12-team league guy, though. Nothing really changes there. Jay Crowder added six assists with nine points in 31 minutes. Well, Jonas Shirepko, the best of the bigs outside of Horford for the second straight game, 6-3-5, and five, with a couple of triples in 23 minutes, while Amir Johnson had 8-5-4 and four in 23, while Anna Linick went 5-2-3 and three in 19. As always, the cannibalization of minutes from those players is limiting all of them to the 14-16 to 16 team range. Gerald Green... Two points in six minutes, so we talked about how long could that last. Well, it lasted three games. He'll probably bounce back, but Terry Rozier was back with Bradley out, and he played 21 minutes here. Didn't necessarily light the world on fire, but he was back, and he outplayed, or he played more than Gerald Green, which is um, interesting to see how that pans out moving forward. But I didn't really feel that the Gerald Green thing was going to stick too long moving forward. Milwaukee, 
and Minnesota, Matty Dellavedova out with a hamstring injury. So the best, the best rookie from this draft class, Malcolm Brogdon. What a weird sentence. 11-4-4 for Brogo. A three, a steal, 33 minutes. There's six games on Saturday. Brogo is starting again. Own him. Straight, as simple as that, own him. Matthew Dellavedova is not lighting the world on fire. Could Brogo, who has been eating into his minutes and playing more minutes than him in a lot of games, could he stick as the starter moving forward? I would say that there's a less than 50% chance of it. But when you can get a start out of him, which you can for Saturday, and then potentially the chance of him holding on and keeping the role with a 29 to 30 minute role moving forward, I think you've got to do it with Brogo. Love what he can bring. Assists, threes, steals, scoring, good efficiency, good shooting, all that sort of stuff. Really like what he can do. You know I've spoken very highly of Malcolm Brogdon, and this is the opportunity for him. He did not let himself down in this game. The Bucks didn't win, so that's maybe something going against him, but did not let himself down in this opportunity at all. Yanni went 25-7-5 with a steal and a block, and Jabari had 26-3 with two steals and two triples, just continuing to hit the threes this year. Mirza Talevic and Mick Beasley, players who normally share minutes, played nine, uh, 20 and 19 respectively, 12-5 and five for Bees and 8-3 eight and two, eight and three for Talevic. And with Dellavedova out, it's the only really time I can, uh, I can uh, be okay with Jason Terry playing. 23 minutes for Terry, he had three points. Cool story. John Henson played 20 minutes. His numbers are dwindling. 8-4-3-2 in that time, while Greggy Munro played just 14 and had eight points. While Tone Snell, the... Uh, the hot shooting tone Snell went down to five points in 29 minutes because he's terrible. Now, as for Henson, in a 10-team league, see you later. In a 12-team league, maybe. Depends on who you're adding. He's in the drop zone. He's your 13th player. He's your 12th player, no doubt. Munro is better than him. Uh, it, that's as plain as anything, really. It's as plain as the beard on my face as to how much better Munro is than Henson. Not, not, not just from a fantasy point of view. And the... The kid fickleness is in full force here. But to be fair, it, it's probably justified. I don't think that you should be necessarily just wasting a roster spot holding out for Henson to get back to 28 minutes and the sort of numbers he was earlier in the season. Because I reckon you're going to be holding on a while. On to the Wolves. We go. 39 minutes for we go. 31, 5, and 6. A huge night. Great percentages. Six assists is fantastic. And this is what we want him to do. And this is what we do think that he can do. The problem seems to be desire or application to do it on a regular basis. But this is nice. And he's been much, he has been improved this year. Absolutely have to give him that credit. And let's hope that he can kickstart it. Rick Rubio only had the five points, but had nine assists, had four steals, had a triple, and was actually efficient going two or four from the field there as well. While Zachy Levine was nine of 17 for 24 points and hit another six triples. Townsie went 18-16-3 with two blocks, while uh, Gorgie Jeng, not a great night for Jengi. Still a steal, still had three blocks, so really gets the defensive numbers cracking, but 6-4-3 and three is not a great night there, but still overall a, a positive performance. And then out of nowhere, Shabazz Muhammad, 22 points on 13 shots with four triples. In true Shabazz Muhammad style, he had a combined one rebound, assist, steal, and block. That is the true essence of who Muhammad is. But occasionally he'll have this night. Normally he saves it for a game against the Warriors where he shoots out of his ass. Do not read into this. Do not get excited by it. Do not get anything. I know Shabazz Muhammad is one of those players in the fantasy community 
that when he goes out there or someone gets injured and they go, oh, you know, Shabazz is going to play 28 minutes. He's a must own. Is he? Is he? Because he'll go out in there and he'll score 14 a game and do nothing else. And he does get he does get excited by by uh, or people do get excited by him because that's a, that's, that's a nice line twenty two points in thirteen shots. It just don't you don't see him doing anything in the other areas and it is contrary to everything we have seen from him so far this season. Uh, Chris Dunn was poor. Just threw that in there. Detroit and Atlanta. Johnny Lua played thirty seven minutes because Marcus Morris was out of this one with a uh, with a sore knee. Twenty two and six for John. Two triples, two steals. Yeah, really nice numbers. Obviously, without Morris there, he was enabled to play some extra time on the court. And I did talk about maybe he wasn't a must-own guy, but if Morris is going to remain out, then you've got to remain holding on to John. Toby Harris moved back to the starting lineup. The bench is suiting him a lot better. 14-5-2 with two triples. Well, interestingly, we got to see more of the Ish Smith-Reggie Jackson backcourt. 32 minutes for Reg, which is encouraging, 24 and 8. In the games where him and uh, Ish cross over, we get more minutes from Reg, which is which is really interesting way that Stan Van Gundy is doing it. 20 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists for Reg, and Ish played 25 minutes and went 7, 4, and 3. So it doesn't really do much to include Ish into 12-team conversation, and maybe yeah, he, he's a touch-and-go 14-teamer. But what it is doing is bumping up some of Reg's minutes, which might enable him to maybe push to the top 50. I wouldn't bank on it, though. 12-4-1 for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, added three steals, hit two triples, while Drummond went 15-15 and 15 in his 35 minutes, whereas onto the Hawks, Paul Millsap, who could not shoot at all for the last two games, still didn't really shoot that well, but 9-20 of 20 is better than 4-20. of 20. He had 26-6-5 with two steals, while Den Schroeder had 17-1-7 with a couple of steals himself, but it was Kyle Korver who, who really got things cracking. 29 minutes for Korver, 22 points, three triples, not a lot else. Yeah, don't make this think that you, he's a 12-team league guy. Kent Bazemore only played the 29 minutes, but did some ball handling again. 10-2-4, two, two steals on a block. Don't think he's a good player. Don't think he should start. Don't think he should play more than 20 minutes. But whilst I'm not coaching the Atlanta Hawks, which that'll probably be for a while, he's going to get the minutes. He's going to get the opportunity, and he can have 12-team value. Dwighty Howard, 10-15-30, of 15 and, 30, and it wasn't a great Tarbo Cephalosha night. 23 minutes for Tarbo, 4 and 5. I still do think that you, if you do own him and you're in that punt point situation, you still want to hold on to Tarbo. But this is obviously, it wasn't a great night with uh, with Corva going big here and taking some of those minutes. The Los Angeles Clippers. I've got a lot of thoughts on the Clippers here. Uh, Chris Paul ruled out. Yeah, he seemed like he was going to play. Then he was ruled out with that hamstring. So we got Austin Rivers starting. Rivers was ejected after 15 minutes. 9 points, 3 assists. Fine, people get ejected all the time. Um, he's a little bit, a little bit pissy about that sort of stuff. Whatever. That's yeah, he. He got ejected for bumping a ref. Apparently, that's fine. I know it ruined a lot of DFS people's nights, and undoubtedly, Austin Rivers just is such a lightning rod for criticism that whenever something happens, the the standard comments: "Never again, Austin Rivers, bum, shouldn't be in the league." Um, ugh. Everyone else suck it. I know. I know never to never to Aust- roster. I know never to roster Austin Rivers. Well, that's a dumb theory for a start because if you had him the other day, he would have, he smashed it, and he got ejected. My issue is Doc Rivers. Shut your mouth. Who does he think he is? He is the most irritating. This has nothing to do with his GM decisions, but on court coach. Shut up, man. You are such a whiner. And then to get yourself ejected twice this season. Shut up. 
just shut up. The Clippers got pasted. Ray Felton did very well, though, replacing both Paul and Rivers. 31 minutes for Ray, 26, 5, and 8 with four triples and a steal. Big, big night for Felton. The second, you know, he's been really good for this team this year. He's more a 16, 14 team league fantasy guy. And yeah, Paul and Rivers will probably both be back next game. And JJ Redick returned in this one. So minutes-wise, it's going to be tough for him to find much. But yeah, he's been really solid for what he does. DeAndre had 20 points and 13 boards. A big night for him, especially with the percentages going 9 of 11 from the field and hitting both his free throws. While Mo Spates is actually a guy that you can look at in a 14-teamer, he still is not crossing over with DeAndre. But he's scoring in such high bunches, 15 and 7, two blocks and two triples, that he's out for the last two weeks, he's just outside the top 100. And that might make you say, yeah, I want to grab him in a 12-teamer. I reckon you can do better in a 12-teamer. There's been some fluky-ish type performances in there that's enabled that. But he does score, and he does score in big bunches in short periods of time. And that can make him useful. Wes Johnson sprained an ankle. He lasted 24 minutes. So that's probably going to mean... Well, it could mean a return of Paul Pierce, which would be disgraceful. But most likely, or hopefully, it means more Alan Anderson and more Brandon Bass and more Austin Rivers potentially playing the three. Nothing that's really going to have too much of a standard league impact, though. Uh, Wes Johnson was a, a sneaky 14-team league guy, and he, he was good here, 10-5-1 with three steals and two triples, and really does rack up the stats, uh, you know, especially considering he's owned in 1% of leagues. He should be owned in higher than that, but let's see how that uh, injury is going. JJ Redick had eight points in his return, and Jamal Crawford had five in 30 minutes. A nice triple one for Crawford, but uh, no reason to own Jamal in 12-team leagues at this point. I don't, I don't think, oh, no, I don't. He might take on some Griffin usage, but no. On to the Rockets, Jimmy Harden, a big uh, triple-double, a, a huge triple-double. In fact, 30, 13, and 10, but two threes, five steals, one block, brilliant percentages, and honestly, really, really stiff not to be the monstrous line of the night. The story, though, probably from Houston, because this is just what Jim does, Montrezl Harrell, the Trezor, the Trestle Table. Do you, guys, do you guys in America know what a Trestle Table is, or is that an, an, is that an Aussie term? The Trestle Table. The Table. Let's go with that. Montrez, the Table, Harrell. All right, the Table had 29 points, a career high in 30 minutes. Three rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block. Amazingly, came off the bench. Can't, can't produce off the bench, forgot about that. Fantastic production, 10 of 14 from the field, 9 of 11 from the line. Got to own him. Straightforward. Nene cannot play. He cannot play big minutes. It's impossible for him. Ryan Anderson is as up and down as a yo-yo. That is a horrible cliche, but I used it. Harold's got to be owned. In every 12-team league, someone should own him. He's owned in 18% of leagues. Blasphemous. Has to be owned. He won't be this good. Every game is quite clear. Has to be owned. Eric Gordon was nice, 19-4-3 with four triples. The Rockets dropped 140 on the Clippers' head. Remember this Clippers team that had, like, historically good defense? 140 on their head. Trevor Reza was brilliant as well, 18-4-7, two steals and five triples, and Pat Bev was back. And back in business, 15-7-3 with a couple of triples. Nene started, had 5-5 five five in 16 minutes, and the Rhino. This is, uh, this is the Rhino that I know. 23 minutes, 6 points and 3 rebounds, and you'll be shocked to know that the combined total of his assists, steals, and blocks comes to zero. Ryan Anderson is a top 40 player over the last two weeks. If you can somehow convince his owner to give you a top 50 player back, take it. Take it immediately and run. Not, not, a, hard, uh, not a hard decision to make. Take it. You probably won't be able to do it, but there legitimately are Ryan Anderson truthers out there 
who were like, man, he'll be a top 30 guy this year, top 40, back to Orlando days in Houston. If one of them's in your league, my sir, would you like Ryan Anderson? Going at a cheap price of just a top 50 guy when he's a top 40 guy. Probably won't happen, but you never know. Weird shit goes down all the time. I'm sure you've seen it. New York Knicks and the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, it's just Yep, 21 and 12, two steals, two blocks. It's just pretty much standard for him at the moment. Mallow returned from his ejection, 26 and 13, with a big, big Mallow night. And Derek Rose dunking. Yeah, Derek Rose can dunk still. 38 minutes as well, 20 points. The uh, one assist, yep. But as a New Year's gift, Derek Rose gave you a three, and he gave you three steals, something that I don't expect to see all that often from him. There was no Courtney Lee again, so let's go through the mindless notion of starting Sasha Vujicic, 22 minutes. Now, I don't have an issue with starting, but what I do have an issue with is players who shouldn't be playing in the upper level of European leagues taking the minutes away from guys who should be getting them. Justin Holiday played well. He played 28 minutes, 8, 7, and 4, but he should be playing 34 minutes. 22, six of those minutes that Vujicic got should be going to Holiday. The other 16 of those minutes Vujicic got should be going to Kuzminskas or Lance Thomas. They shouldn't be going to Vujicic. Brandon Jennings was 5-3-3. I've cooled off on that idea of Jennings being a 12-team hold guy. Piss him off, get rid of him. And uh, Hornacek's uh, cock just retracted right back in there. Five minutes for Kylo Quinn, 2-2. Two and two. Billy Hernan Gomez, 7 minutes, 2-2. Two and two. Joe Kim Noah, 16 minutes. 0-6 with two blocks. So what does that mean? That means that the three centers on this team played 27 minutes. Amazingly, it's because Kristaps Porzingis is a center. I can't even speak. That's how excited I am. He is a center. It is. He is a center, and he should be playing center, and this is what the Knicks should be doing. I don't know if they will continue to, but Noel, Noel was embarrassing in this game, coming off a really strong performance, but Porzingis is a center. It, it should not need... It's, it's it's straightforward. He's a center. The the play or the the frustration with Hornacek and the and the big men means that you know, owning Kylo Quinn in fourteen team leagues is probably not realistic. Owning Hernan Gomez in sixteen team leagues is probably not realistic. Noah, yeah, look, he'd been strong, and maybe if you've grabbed him in a twelve, give him one more. But he's been so up and down that it's really and more down than up that it is really hard to hold on to. For the Pals, 23-18 and 18 for Tony Davis, two steals. Good night for him, and Drew Holiday was also pretty good. 12-4-11 and 11 for Drew Drew, one steal and two blocks, a big all-round line there. But the big news to me was a couple of big things to me from the Pelicans. Tyreek, this is two games in a row from Tyreek. Now, he played 18 minutes in this one. He played 15 minutes in the last game. And in those two games, so we're talking 33 minutes combined, he has scored 28 points. He's had 10 rebounds. He's had 9 assists. He had 16, 5, and 4 in 18 minutes here. The minutes are ramping up. And even if he continues on an 18-minute limit, these numbers are top 100 useful. They, they are top 100 numbers. And then shit, if he extends it to 25 minutes, whew, I think you got to get him. I think he has to be owned. I think he has to be owned in every league at this point because he is ramping up and he is firing. And the Pelicans have won four in a row, if you haven't realized. Because it helps when you get your best players back. Dante Cunningham, he's not going anywhere as a starter. Alvin loves him. He played 35 minutes. He does defensive shit. He had two threes. He had a steal. He had two blocks. And Terrence Jones is bad. 
So if you're holding on for hope for Terence Jones, move on, forget it. 18 minutes for Tezza. Um, if you're holding on to hope for Timmy Frazier, I reckon you can cut it out there because he had another DMP CD. No minutes for Tim Frazier for the second consecutive game. Lang Galloway played 21 minutes. Bud Heald played 24. Etwan Moore played 27. And that's how those um, guard positions are going to continue. So, yeah, Timmy, Tezza, done and dusted. The next game we take a look at the Portland Trail Blazers versus the San Antonio Spurs. No Dame Lillard. CJ McCollum started at point guard. A very efficient 29 points. Not a lot else happening in his line. Two boards, one assist, and one steal, and one not one a steal, just one steal on ten of nineteen shooting, and a fantastic eight of eight from from the line. A really nice performance there. And Mo Harkless got himself into double digits, going twelve with three steals, a block, and two triples in twenty eight minutes. Should be owned in twelves. It doesn't have to be by um, it doesn't have to be by your team, but it should be owned. The Crabster, Alan Crab, thirty three minutes for Crabby, eleven points, and. As is according to scripture, he did nothing else as well. One rebound and one assist. Had two steals, so that's a bonus for Krabby. But even with Lillard out, you know, Crab doesn't really deserve a spot on a 12-team roster. And he, to be honest, when Lillard's back, he's not really a 14-team league guy either. Mason Plumley struggled along, 8, 5, and 6. Alfaruk Aminu, I still do believe in him as a 12-teamer. But if there's a Joshy Richardson around, if there's a Tyreek Evans around, you know, piss him off. Get, get rid of him. Grab one of these other guys because their upside is higher. And it's just taking Aminu a long time to get cracking. 28 minutes for Evan Turner, 8, 4, and 3. Decent performance. And then a bit of garbage time happening in this one with a lot of guys getting some extra run. When Jake Lehman's out there, then it's uh, game's over. On to the uh, Spurs. Dan Green, top 60 player over the last two weeks. Danny, is he just uh, is he just you know, just flashing a little bit of nip? Just giving us a little bit of a tease here. 18, 2, and 1. Six triples, a block. Six of nine shooting. He's a 50% plus shooter over the last two weeks. And he's just giving us that tease of, remember me? Remember the guy that used to put up numbers coming out of his ass? Well, um, maybe I'm back. Absolutely no problem with grabbing him in a 12-team league and let's see how much this tease can continue. But there is obviously risk associated with it. The other bloke you got to look at is Manu Ginobili, man. In the last couple of weeks, he's a top 60 player. Yes, Manu. 14 and 7, two triples and two assists. Now, I'm not advocating a 12-team ad for Manu, but he's owning 6% of leagues. Surely everyone in any league that goes deeper than 150 players, he has to be owned. And you know what? He's going to rest some games. Sure, he'll get injured. He might you know, rip open his nutsack. It, it, lots of things can happen to Manu. But he produces. He doesn't need minutes. He doesn't need 25 minutes. He can produce top 100 numbers in 19 minutes. So have a look if Manu's around. Tone Parker had 18, 2, and 5, while Pat Mills went 6, 1, and 4 with a couple of steals. Mills, not a 12-teamer. LaMarcus Aldridge. I did query whether Aldridge would be able to continue his hot shooting efforts. You know, two games in a row. It's going to be tough for him to continue that. Well, I was wrong because he shot 67% again in this game. Took three shots, but still hit two of them for 67%. A curious decision given that Greg Popovich has been on his ass. Yeah, be more aggressive. Take 50 shots if you want. So Aldridge responds with three. Because it doesn't matter because they got the victory. But uh, not a not a great night from Aldridge after a couple of real stellar performances. And the shooting is going to cool. There's no doubt about that. But can he find the happy medium between not being involved at all and being involved, involved the right amount of good efficiency? Eight and six for Aldridge. It's still not a horrible night considering just he wasn't involved whatsoever. 
Powell had 10, 7, and 3, you know, decent without being fantastic. And Kyle Anderson replaced the, the, the Kawhi. He replaced the ill Kawhi Leonard, who was out again with gastroenteritis after it was initially announced that he was playing. He decided that he was not. 4 and 8 in 28 minutes for Anderson with a steal and a block. That's the Kyle Anderson that I was looking more towards with maybe an extra steal, maybe an extra few assists. But he has been far from interesting this season. Going to be real, real curious to see what goes on with him in restricted free agency in the summer. Kyle Anderson, obviously, we're looking at him in uh, in dynasty, maybe, and really deep sort of situations because it has been not a great, not a great time for him. The Philadelphia 76ers. The process was back, and uh, he processed the Nuggets in a big way. Jolly Lokafor was out for rest. Embiid started, and he started next to Ersan Ilyasova. And you know what? He carved them up. 23, 6, and 5. Two steals, three blocks. And the most important number there to me is the fact that he had five assists. The second most important number is the fact that he went 12 or 14 from the free throw line. Joel Embiid is a freak. He's ludicrous. And if he can pass like this, yeah, top 10 numbers within the next three years are not, are not far away. Sounds dumb, but he could be 25 and 12 if he could get four assists. Could he have two and a half blocks and one and a half steals with one and a half threes on good percentages? I don't think I'm being that outlandish with that. Man, he's very, very, very exciting. Ersan Ilyasova back to starting, 23 and 13, five triples. Got to own him. It's simple as that. Okafor and MB together does not work. Uh, Ilyasova, he won't play 37 a night, but he's been good. Sharich was good as well, and he is really improving. 13, 11, and 5. He was disgusting for majority of November and the start of December, but he's getting it going again. If they're going to steer away from Twin Towers, then Sharich is going to be a 14-teamer and could sneak into 12s. Interesting to see exactly how they run it, but he's been mighty impressive. Nolan's Noel, the, the shooting wasn't the one of four from the line, but offensively, not bad. Nine and two with a block. I, I still just look at it and go, he played 19 in a game without Okafor. What's he going to play when Okafor's back? Especially if they don't run these big guys together, which is looking like more of a possibility. Hasn't been totally uh, decided on, but it's looking like more of a possibility. Really tough to stash Nolan's in my mind. Sauce Castillo, 10 points, 5 assists, 1 steal in 29 minutes at the starting 2 and back up 1. And TJ McConnell, 17, 2 and 8 with 3 triples. Own him. 36 minutes for TJ. We don't know how long Spanish Chocolate is going to be sidelined for. So McConnell is going to play these minutes and he's going to put up these stats until Rodriguez comes back. And he doesn't have long-term value because Rodriguez will come back and then Simmons will come back. So there's no, yeah, this is McConnell's team for the rest of the year. But you might get a week out of it. You might get two weeks out of it. Shit, you might get three weeks out of it, and that's enough for a bloke that could be, in that short time, top 80-ish type potential. That might be worth it for you. For the Nuggets, Nick Jokic, foul trouble. Man, Nick, 22 minutes. It's about 25-7-4, and so you know, really hard to complain, but I suppose there's a difference between being a top 30 guy and a top 15 guy. Really just... Just amazing to me. This guy, he is, he is ludicrous. Manny Moutier with a big night. 29 minutes for Moutier. 22 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. It got hot. Really hot. 7 of 11 from the field. I do believe in Moutier. I do believe that he's a 12-team league guy, but really only in a punt field goal situation. That's how majority of my teams are set up. So to me, he he's ownable across most of those. 
Jameer Nelson had 11 points on five shots, while the Rooster went 18-5-2. Gaz Harris, solid again, 17-4-4. Own him, not sure why he's owned in under 70% of leagues. While Wilson Chandler, 10-9-3 in 36 minutes. Not convinced that Wilson's a 10-team league guy. Bloody sure Ken Fareed isn't. 12 minutes for Fareed, 6-6. Six and six. And with Yusuf Nurkic back in business, Fareed's minutes as the backup center are done. Well, done. He might play a couple, but he's not... He's not going to be that guy that if Jokic gets into foul trouble, we're going to see 25 Fareed minutes because we had 12 of them here and we had 19 Nurkic minutes. And Nurkic is not, don't go and grab Nurkic in 12s or 14s or, or really anything like that. But the 76% of people that own Ken Fareed, you're, you're in for a rude awakening. It's just, it's not happening. Farton, Will Barton played 28 minutes. Decent line, triple one, 11, five and four. Shit shooting, but a, a decent night from Barton. By now, you know my thoughts. Hold him in 12s, maybe. 10s, do better. The last game of the night, Dallas Mavericks, Golden State Warriors. Bogut was out. Berea was out. The pencil went off against his former team. 28 minutes for Harrison Barnes. 25 points, three triples, two steals, one block. Great percentages. And the Dwight Powell efficiency show continued. 5 of 7 from the field, 10 and 13 with two blocks, continuing to put up numbers. I still don't think that it's really worth dealing with him in 12-teamers because, again, Berea Bogut comes back. He's going to play like 18 minutes a night, and his numbers are fueled by out-of-this-world percentages, and they're just not going to be able to continue at volume enough to be useful. Same with Seth Curry, who was decent, 11-1-5 and five with two steals. Good numbers, useful numbers, but they're not lasting long. Wes Matthews, 14 points, three steals, eh, whatever. Darren Williams only played the 20 in this one. Not a great Darren Williams night, 11, 2, and 4. While Dirk, the encouraging thing with Dirk here is he played 23 minutes, 11 and 5 with a block for Dirk. He's probably owned in your league, but if you're in a 12-teamer and he's in, he's available, you, you, he can be owned in that situation. Dorian Finney-Smith, zero points in 21 minutes. For the Warriors, it is, they're just so boring to talk about from a fantasy point of view. 19, 11, and 10, triple-double for Kev Durant. Clay had 29 points on 19 shots with five triples. Draymond went 13, 8, and 7, and Steph went 14, 4, and 5 with three triples. That's it. That, this is just what they do. And there's nothing else coming from anybody else on this team outside of, say, 18-team leagues that you would want anything to do with any of these other players. And that is just exactly what happens pretty much every single night that the Warriors play. All right, let's take a quick break now. And then we'll be back to preview the New Year's Eve action for DFS with six games on Saturday. It's fall at JCPenney. Time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 straight fit jeans for guys, $36.99. And select Arizona booties for her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prices already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. From valid 10, 5 to 10, 9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance selections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season of first 927 to 1018. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk DFS. Let's talk perfect lines from Friday's action on Fangio. Faface Ray Felton with 41. Manny Moutier with 36.3. Good luck having Felton in a lineup. You would have had to known that Paul was out, and you would have had to predicted that Rivers would get kicked out of the game as well. Moutier with a nice... Yeah, he's really just a tournament puntish guy, and that's about it. Jimmy Harden, 66.6. Cool. Clay Thompson, 38.8. Small forwards, Wigo had 47, and Mallow had 44.1 in the power forwards. Paulie Mills at 41.7 and Porzingis at 47.9. And the center, Montrezl, the table, Harrell at 41.1. That gave you a total of 
and that saved you 600 bucks off the total salary. That that lineup would have cost you 59,400. On DraftKings, Ray Felton at 45.75, Jimmy Harden 75.75, Joshy Rich at 50, Kristaps at 50, the table at 41.25, Trey Burke at 38, Ursan Ilyasova at 43.75, and Isaiah Thomas at 60 points. And that gave you 404.5 points, the same as Fangel, amazingly. And that total was 48,900, and that is 1,100 under the total budget. Again, having some of those guys in there like Trey Burke and Ray Felton was, uh, was significantly punty. Let's talk about the six games that are appearing on, uh, on New Year's Eve. We talk about the first one, which is Memphis and Sacramento, which this one is a little bit early. It is a 5 p.m. start. So I know on the Aussie site, it's not included in the contests. I'm not sure about FanDuel, not sure about DraftKings, but they, you'll have to check. I think on DraftKings, it's not included, but FanDuel it is. But you'll have to check to, uh, to have a look how it, all, how it all plays out, I guess, to see if it, uh, if it suits your, uh, your team or if it suits what you are, the, the way that you want to run your lineup, I guess, is the, the best way of me, uh, me phrasing that. At this point, there is no, no spread released for these games, which is, uh, well, not, that's not true, not for all of them. For this first one, there is no spread released for it just yet. Um, let's get into it. Injury-wise, Mike Conley is considered questionable. So if, uh, if he is out, we're going to see, obviously, more Andy Harrison, and that is... Um, I suppose it's okay. I don't think it's. I don't think it's brilliant, but he 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 has had uh, he has had value before. If we have a look at um, at Harrison's, where is Harrison's value? If he's at three thousand nine hundred over on uh, on Fangio, and he has had a thirty point performance in his last five games, and had some big minute ones in there as well. So if Mick Conley is out, I don't think that it would be a. I don't think it would be a horrible decision to um to have him in. You could totally you could, you could totally use him. To me, again though, it feels like a, a night where maybe going cheaper at shooting guard is going to be a good option, especially in cash games. There seems to be some value that's appearing at the uh, at the shooting guard position. We'll, we'll go through all of that obviously in this uh, in this brief to, to talk about it. Now, if Conley happens to play six thousand eight hundred for Mick, um, I don't really think I want to spend up. That, that salary on him, obviously there's the doubt as to whether he plays, which will get resolved before lock because of course the game is the game is the first one of the night. So we might not um we might not see we might, we will see whether he is playing or not. But I don't think he's really worth using. The King's point guards, that is a uh, not ideal situation, probably the best way of me um me phrasing that. We're talking about Karen Collison. We're talking about Ty Lawson. Now, I don't dislike Ty Lawson at 4,200 too much. Obviously, just a um, just a tournament type of guy, not really a not really a cash guy. And Darren Collison's at 4,100 on Fangio, which is um, yeah, if you can do maths, it's obviously a little bit cheaper. But is it is it worth it for either guys? I, I don't think so. Same thing on DraftKings. I don't really. I don't love it for, for either of these guys. Their salaries are basically the same on both sides. Lawson punt in a tournament, maybe. He's averaging 21 over the last three games, but is that... Yeah, I don't know. It's against Memphis as well, which is a real concern. So, look, in the end, I'm just I'm waffling. Don't worry about this, the Kings point guards in general. If we look at the shooting guards, Tone Allen at 4,600. Feel much better about Tone if Mick Conley is out. He's averaging... 
23 over the last three tone. The matchup is not bad for him. It's not a it's not a real negative or anything like that. He can have value at 4,600. But if Conley plays, I would probably steer clear of of, uh, of Tony Allen. But he, he's still you know he's he's not a not a horrible guy to look at. I suppose is the the best way that I can. Uh, Best way that I can phrase that, I don't really love him on DraftKings, especially considering he's at 4,800 over there. Garrett Temple, eh, no, nothing exciting. Look, the shooting guard position is just a mess in general here. Troy Daniels, Ben McLemore. Now, Daniels had that 29-pointer in the last game. He's at 3,700. Absolutely, you can punt on him. In a in a tournament setting, you can you can have a look and you can say, all right, well, maybe this maybe this works out for me in a, in a tournament, but... Relying upon Troy Daniels in cash is not going to work out well. He's a $3,100 player over on DraftKings as well, so even cheaper over there. And um, yeah, absolutely worth looking at in tournaments. With with Barnsley, with Gay likely out, Barnsley probably gets another start. Matty Barnes at 3,800 on FanDuel. Barnsley put up 23 in the last game in 29 minutes. Now he's been up and down, and that's somewhat of an, an understatement this season. But as a tournament guy, 3,500 on DraftKings, 3,800 on FanDuel, you get 24, 25 points out of him. That's definitely paid that value back, and that can absolutely work in your favor. So, Barnsley, a tournament look. Jimmy Ennis, no. Chandler Parsons, of course not. Vincey Carter, no. There is, honestly, there's very, very little value in this game on the in, in total, apart from one bloke, which we'll talk about very, very soon. Power forwards, Anthony Tolliver gets some extra run with Gay likely sitting out. He's at 3,600. He's had some decent games, but I'm not interested there. Jermichael Green, if Conley plays, I will say no. If Conley is out, some extra usage might go Jermichael's way, but he did have 38, sorry, 28 in the last game, but he's been averaging 20 points over the last five, and at 4,900 on Fangio, it does not cut it. Now, this is a positive matchup for him going up against Sacramento. Power forwards really do put up good numbers against the Kings, but is is he good enough to take advantage of that? I'm not sure that he is. 4,500 for him on DraftKings is a little bit better, but he's really not a high-priority guy to me. Zebo at 57, averaging 30 across the last three. If Conley's out, I can, I can totally see Randolph. I'm normally not a big fan of him at that price, but I can get behind it. Same on DraftKings where he's at 5,200. Maybe not quite as good there, but still... But still some value on both sides if Mike Conley happens to be out. At center, Boogie, 11,200 for, for Boog. Now, I do like him. The problem is Gasol. The, you know, we've seen guys get Gobert, and we've seen guys get Gasol. And if you've saved your money at shooting guard, you know, getting Boog and getting value at the other positions might might be okay. But there is uh, there is a risk. I still do think he's a pretty. I, I still think he's a really good play, but there is a risk. Now, Marcus Sol at eight thousand five hundred. Well, he can get cousined, and by that I mean you just draw fouls playing against Boogie. The last three times that Gasol has played against the Kings, he's averaging thirty three points. Now he's averaging a robust forty two over the last five contests in general. But at eight thousand five hundred, I want more than forty two. In a negative matchup, I'm I'm not. I'm not really feeling it for Marcus, so I would take uh, I would take Boogie over him. I'm just not not a big uh, not a big Mark fan here. Now he's a little bit cheaper on DraftKings at eight thousand one hundred, but it is still just feeling somewhat uh, expensive for me. All right, the uh, next game we've got 
New Year's Eve, we've got Cleveland and Charlotte. No, uh, no spread currently released for this one either. Kyrie was dealing with some hamstring issues at the end of the last game. He should be ready to go, but Marco Bellinelli is doubtful with that ankle that's cost him the last four games. Let's talk point guards. Really good matchups for both point guards here, assuming Irving plays, which we assume he does. 7,900 for Kemba. He's been putting up the numbers. Um, they haven't been great numbers of late, averaging just 32 across the last three and 36 across the last five, which at 7,900, you want him to do do better, but I think he can in this spot, especially against the uh, against the Kyrie defense. So definitely Kemba is in consideration. He's a $7,800 player over on DraftKings, and the scoring system suits him a little bit better over there. So I do like him. I like him on both sides, honestly. And Kyrie's at 8,600. He's been crushing it. He's averaging over 50 in the last five, and this is a positive matchup for him as well, taking on Kemba Walker. 8,600 is a, is a pretty significant price. I love it on DraftKings, though, 7,900, real cheap. He's averaging 54 over his last five games, and it's 7,900. Even if you get 46, 47 points, you know, you're, you're, you're loving it. You're rubbing your hands together. So I do like this matchup for both of these point guards. Jeremy Lamb at $3,800 on FanDuel. In the games where Ballinelli's been out, he's done well. He's averaging 22 across the last three in 24 minutes. And at 3,800... You get me 22 points, then you can have a spot in my lineup. And that there is risk associated with him in cash, but you could slot him in in cash. And that's another one of those cheap point guards that I'm to, not cheap point guards, cheap shooting guards that I'm talking about. He is priced at 4,000 on over on DraftKings, which makes him yeah probably a slightly higher high risk, but not really. He's averaging 20. Was he having 23 over the last three? There, he's in a, a positive matchup for him as well. No reason why you can't roster Jeremy Lamb on both sides. Iman Shumpert, not really getting it done. He's at $4,100. I'll pass there. Nick Batum on fire. He's at 8000 on Fangio with a $400 price rise. That's not something that really gets me going. 8000 on DraftKings as well. I'll say the same thing. Yeah, look, he's caning it. He's averaging 49 on DraftKings over the last five. He's averaging 45 on Fangio over the last five, which at $8,000 returns you value. But I feel like his value ceiling has been really crushed in by this price rise. So don't mind Batum, um, but there's there's some uh, there is some risk priced in there. But I, I do think that he can he can be useful still. Small forwards, Kid Gilchrist, four thousand seven hundred, should get the thirty plus minutes. Didn't in the last game, only put up the uh, only put up seventeen points. Oh, sorry, he got his thirty three minutes, only put up seventeen points. But I think that he can exceed twenty five here. Really think he's uh, he's worth a go, and he should get thirty three to thirty five minutes here. And at 4,700 on FanDuel should uh, should work out in your favor. He's at 46 on DraftKings. I still believe he's worth looking at. He's averaging 27 over his last five, so that's value over there as well. LeBron, 10,300 on FanDuel. Yeah, he really does go off against the Hornets, as so many wing players tend to do. Love it here. I don't think this match is going to be a blowout. I don't think there's going to be too many concerns there. So I reckon you should be looking at 50 here for LeBron. It is a positive matchup for him. So I think we should be looking at good stuff there. 10,400 on DraftKings should be, again, looking at another 50-pointer. He's averaging 55 across his last five over on uh, over on DraftKings. Um, power forwards. Kevin Love. 8,500. So a significant price rise. I don't think it's terrible though. I think that he's he's worth looking at. It is a it is a marginally negative matchup, but he's been playing so well, averaging forty one and a half over the last five. And if you are spending up at power forward, he is going to be the option to go for. 
$8,700 on DraftKings is a $500 price rise. But again, if you're spending up at Power Forward or even one of the high price center guys, he, he he's a guy that you can look at there if you've got your value in your other spots, which you can do by getting a Brogdon or a Carter-Williams or players like that, which we'll talk about a little bit later. You're getting a guy that might not necessarily give you back 5x or 6x value. You know, Love and Cousins, they might give you 4.5, 4.7x, and that might be enough because you've got an 8 or 9x out of those other players, and that's another good way of being able to build a lineup. Marv Williams at 4,400. Playing better, it doesn't translate that well into DFS stuff though. So on Fangio at 4,400, I'm not interested, nor on DraftKings at 4,300. Any other power forwards? Channing Fry, no. At center, Code Zeller, 5,100. Centers against the, the Cavs is never a great idea. Zeller is playing steadily, but I'm not, not interested in him here. While Tyson, not Tyson, Tristan Thompson, he's at 5,100. Eh, yeah, eh. That's just me going, I don't think so. I like him much better on DraftKings where he's at 4,800 as opposed to 51 over on FanDuel. Um, his upside's not high. I think he's a decent cash play if you're just looking for a, a cheapish type of center, but probably not really too much of a FanDuel guy that I'm looking at. All right, let's look at the uh, at the next game. We're talking Milwaukee. We're talking Chicago. The Bulls somehow are favored by two and a half, and the total is 201 points. We obviously are waiting to see what happens with the lineup. Does Rajon Rondo start? What happens with Rob Lopez and Chris Felicio? At this point, I am assuming that Carter Williams starts. So when I talk here, Mick is starting. Rondo is coming off the bench. Therefore, the value comes from Michael Carter Williams, who is priced at $4,000 on Fangio, had 23 today in 27 minutes. If we hear that he's not starting, then he becomes a tournament play. If we hear that he is starting, he's a play everywhere. Really, really love him if he happens to play on DraftKings. $3,000 minimum salary. You are looking at 9, 10x potential type value from Carter Williams over there. You can't really go wrong with it. I don't think... Look, he's got a ton of value on on both sites, but that DraftKings salary is super, super impressive. He had 25 today at 3,000. That's already 8x. And you could be looking at another four or five minutes potentially on top of that. And if Hoiberg goes hard and goes, right, we're just playing at 35, then man, you could be talking about, you know, 10, 11. Maybe I'm just getting too far ahead of myself. But there's lots to like there. On the other side, Malcolm Brogdon, Brogo, 3,900. Well, we know he's going to start. We know he's going to get 32 minutes because Dally's out. He had 22 today at 3,900. Lock it in. You're done. That's 5.5x already. And it wasn't a spectacularly good game. He can be better. Can't Look, you could go cheap at both point guard spots and go, let's have Mick, let's have Brogo, and let's um, spend up at, at Boogie, let's take Kev Love, let's take LeBron, let's take those sort of guys. That, that's a way that you could, or if those if that game is included in your main slate. But you, there is definite, um, there's definite value in, in both of these really cheap point guards. If we look at Brogdon over on DraftKings, He's still, um, I, can't, I can't even find out. there he is. He's still at 3,900 over there, so not as cheap as Carter Williams. But, of course, absolutely huge value in both of these point guards. Carter Williams, though, remains to be seen. We'll see. Yanni, 10,500. Yeah, that's that's 50. It's coming up against the Bulls. Raise your bat, Yanni. You are getting the half century. Dwayne Wade at 6,900. Now, it is a... Um, Giggity! It is a back-to-back for Wade. So... 
we assume that he's playing. They mentioned that he probably will play, but there could be some sort of minutes limit there. He hasn't really been living up to a $6,900 salary anyway, so I don't think I'd be wanting to use Dwayne Wade regardless, even if it wasn't a um, a back-to-back situation. He's at 6400 over on DraftKings, and that salary is really not getting me pumped either. Small forwards, Mick Beasley's at 36. He dropped 22 today. He's averaging 20 over the last three. The Bulls, Wings, we saw Paul George go big today. Um, oh, it takes a fair set of nuts to, to throw Beasley into a lineup, but wouldn't say that it's um wouldn't say that it's terrible. GPP only, of course, and hated on DraftKings. Oh no, no, sorry, no, I don't. No, DraftKings, it's all right. Four thousand, uh, three thousand three hundred value there. No, def- definitely worth a look, Beasley. It's a weird look, but it's it's definitely worth the consideration. Jim at eight thousand six hundred. He is solid. That's a nice price drop of 400 bucks. I'm getting behind that. Not sure he's the best value out there uh, on, on FanDuel. I think he's a little bit better over on DraftKings when I bring it up. 8,600, similar, but probably just a, a touch more value given the scoring system. He's averaging on DraftKings 42 points over the last four and averaging 40 on FanDuel, which is not quite where you want to be at those respective salaries. But he can obviously get there. Not a guy that I'm in love with on those sites, though. Dougie McDermott, Tone Snell. Tone Snell Revenge Game, did it right last time, minimum salary. If, again, a nice punt guy you can look at, because the minutes will be there. The role will be there unless we're going 36 minutes of Jason Terry, which it's Jason Kidd, so you never know. But uh, Snell could get hot, but odds point to that not happening. Mr. Toledovich is another guy that can get hot. He's a min-salary guy. Uh, I guess it's harder with Beasley around, but it can happen with him too. Power forwards, Miritich, 4,400. Again, this is all sort of speculative. He's at 4,100 over on DraftKings as well, so good salaries on both sites. And if they go with limiting of Robin Lopez and do what they've been doing for the majority of these last few games and giving him these extra four to five minutes, then Miritich can return that value. He's averaging 24 over the last five. And at 4,400, you get 24, then you've won. Then you've returned that value. On DraftKings, he's at 4,100. He's averaging 26 over the last five. You get 26, then you've returned that value. And there's a chance that he sees some more minutes. So I really like him. He's just a tough cash guy to look at. Taj at 4,900. Really not interested in Taj too much here in this game. And remember, big men can go off against the Bucks. So maybe Taj has a look, but he's a tournamenty type guy too. Love Jabari. He loves playing Chicago. 7,200, averaging 37 across the last three games. Really hard to... Uh, yeah, Say no to Jabari on uh, DraftKings, a little bit higher price, 7,200. He's averaging 40 across his last five games, so, so he's obviously of use there, and it is a decent matchup for him too. Not sure he's a, a must-play guy, but there is some value in, in using Jabari and you know, with, with thoughts that he could easily or comfortably get 40, really, in, in uh, the way that this team plays. At center, Johnny Henson at 42. I'll leave that alone. Greggy Munro is at 5,000. Don't hate Munro. Bigman against the Bulls, real winner. He's averaging 25 the last three times he's played them in just 23 minutes. So real chance he gets those sort of minutes again and puts up another 25 points. And that obviously will uh, will work in his favor. He's at 4,600 over on DraftKings. I really still think he's a GPP type of guy, but the matchup suits him. The, the trend of him playing more minutes in this sort of a situation works in his favor as well. So I do like him there. Rob Lopez, I don't know what to expect from him, so no thanks. And Chris Felizio, minimum salary, dropped 31 today. You'd be really happy with that if you had him. So could that happen again? Absolutely, it could happen again. 3,000 on DraftKings, 3,500 on FanDuel. 
could do a lot worse than throwing him into a GPP and just getting your just 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 a handy 11x value back and and rubbing your hands together and saying I have got myself a winner here. Let's hope let's hope that's what happens anyway. The next game we'll take a look at. Where are we? The New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets are favored by nine and a half. Both teams coming off a back-to-back. The total is a whopping 221 and a half points. Courtney Lee for the Knicks is the one we want to check on. He's missed the last two games with that wrist issue. Let's uh, if he misses, it's going to be Justin Holiday. It's going to be Sasha Vujicic, but it's going to be Justin Holiday who gets the uh, gets the fantasy value at point guard. Pat Bev is at 5800. He dropped a 30 in his return today, which is. Yeah, fairly good, fairly good number. The Knicks, who started off being you know, quite hard against point guards, aren't really there at that point anymore. So Beverly at fifty eight hundred is is totally worth a look. Um, don't think he's the best play out there, but he but he's decent. Derek Rose, on the other hand, six thousand six hundred. That salary has dipped again, which is great, but it, it just feels too high. Um, really, don't think I can get behind using Derek Rose on Fangio at that sort of a price. At 6,500 on DraftKings, it's exactly the same story. Shooting guards, Jimmy Harden, 11,300 on FanDuel. Yeah, marginally negative matchup against the Knicks for him. Yeah, playing playing some point guard. Yeah, I, I mentioned Beverly before. He plays a split, so he's got you know a decent ease because shooting guards do well against the Knicks and, and point guard don't. Yeah, but Jimmy is relatively matchup proof. He's averaging 55 the last three times he's played the Knicks, and two of those were before D'Antoni arrived. He just dropped to 67 today. So I reckon you should feel pretty good about Jimmy going out there and getting you 50-plus points. No, uh, you shouldn't have too much of a concern about the, about him on most nights, really. He's 11,900 on drafting, so it's probably a little, a little bit less appealing, but um, but not really. He's still he's still a really superior play. As for Holiday, 24 um, today, 3,700. If Lee is out, absolutely go, go and have a look at him. If Lee is in, you don't want to use him. Small forwards, Mallow, 7,800, had a nice one today, really good performance, 4,400. Oh, sorry, no, that's a lot of points. He had 44 points, but now his salary's jumped by 300 bucks. Is it worth it against the Rockets? I, I can make that argument that he could go out there and drop 38 or 39. I don't think it's a, a great argument, but I do love him on DraftKings where he's priced at 7,100. He's averaging 39 across the last five and should be looking at 40 points in that scoring system. So a much better DraftKings play than he is a FanDuel play. Trevor Reza was fantastic today, putting up 36. He's at 5,500. He's in a situation where it's a slight negative in terms of a matchup for him. But 5,500, Trevor Reza, can you get me 27 points? I don't reckon that's too much of a stretch, but I reckon at this point, Ariza's been a bit up and down, so I might look at him as a GPP guy, and I'd probably just fade him in general on this slate. The other small forwards, Sam Decker, Mindagos, Kuzminskas, Lance Thomas, and Corey Brewer. At power forward, Porzingis, 7,700. That's a 200 buck price rise, but he has been weird against Houston. He has monsters or he has terrible performances. So which one is it? Well, I don't know, of course, but at 7,700, he's averaging 44 across the last three, and that's obviously fantastic. His average against Houston is 38.5 points. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with Porzingis. I love him on DraftKings where he's at 7,200, and, and he really could be looking at, uh, at a 50-ish type night there. And, but I think he's a decent play on FanDuel as well. Ryan Anderson... Forget that. That's a that's a GPP guy only. Centers, Montrez, the table, four thousand two hundred. Love it. 
just the casual 41 today. Don't expect 41 again, but expect him to exceed $4,200 worth of value. I just don't think that that is, um, is priced accurately. He's at 5000 on DraftKings, so obviously a bit higher there. That doesn't dissuade me from using him. I think that's almost right where he needs to be. So maybe his upside is somewhat limited over on DraftKings. But on, on Fangio at 4200 it needs to be smashed, and it needs to be smashed hard. The Knicks center situation, Noah O'Quinn, Hernan Gomez, hands up in the air. Uh, no idea. No, no idea what they're going to do. Noah coming off a big performance, dropped 10 today in 16 minutes. He's at 4,700. Obviously, no way to rely upon him in cash. In a tournament, maybe you look at him, but I, I really do struggle um, to do it given the fact that he came off his best game of the season and turned in one of his worst. That's um, yeah, that's, that's not endearing him to me, but I can make an argument for him in a tournament. And obviously, Nene is not going to be of much use to really anybody at this point. All right, let's round this thing out with the last couple of games for New Year's Eve. The last, the second last game here is Phoenix and Utah. The Jazz are favored by 11, and the total here is 206.5 points. Dante Exum is questionable with his knee issue. No other injuries to really report on. Let's talk point guards. Eric Bledsoe at 7,900 had 45 in the last game, yeah, but now he takes on the Jazz. So that is almost as negative a matchup as you can get. So Eric... I'll, uh, I'll fade there. Sorry, mate. Georgie Hill at 6,600. Well, he came out and smashed 46 points in his debut, and now he gets one of the better matchups out there. Can we expect 30-plus out of George? I would say yes. I think that it's I think it's decent. I think that he's been playing crazy levels of basketball, and it makes him maybe somewhat of a risky play, but the matchup is just so tasty here that you're using George Hill, and you'll see when we get to the Aussie sites later on in the picks of the day where he's priced through the floor, just stupidly low, there it becomes an, a, a must-play guy in every format. But on Fangel and DraftKings, he's reasonably priced, and I do think that he's still worth a look. Not much else really happening in this game, to be honest. Shelvin Mack goes back to a nothing. Rod Hood, 4,300 hoodie. He came back to, in... He came back in a big way in the last game, putting up 22 points. The matchup here is really good, but I don't have faith in Hood at this point. I would definitely look at him in a GPP at 4,300 and say, Rod, go off, give us your 25, and uh, and we'll be happy with that. But in cash, I, I'm not having much reliability with him. He's at 4,700 over on DraftKings, so that's probably, or well, not probably, that definitely is less appealing. He's averaging just 11 points in the last five, but a nice 26-pointer in the last one, which if he gets 26, then he's returned the sort of value that you want him to, but not really falling totally in love with Rod here. Devin Booker at 6,000. The shooting's been horrendous, we know that, but he has actually been getting numbers. 34 points in the last one, 32 average over the last five. The matchup here is the real concern, so I reckon I'm going to fade Devin in this matchup against the Utah Jazz. Over on DraftKings, he's priced at 6,000 as well, so that's uh, it's going to be a no from me on both sides. Same with Brandon Knight, who played nine minutes in the last game. Really no ability to predict what he's going to do. TJ Warren was terrible last time out. He's at 5,100 over on FanDuel. Um, the matchup's horrible for him. Obviously, against the Jazz, it's not a uh, not a positive situation for TJ Warren. Oh, I, I like him. I think he's okay. 4,800 on DraftKings, 51 on FanDuel. I reckon he's a little bit better over on DraftKings, and I would I would have a look at him in GPPs, but not quite in cash. Love Gordy Haywood in cash, 7,900 on FanDuel. He's um, in a real spot here to, to go for 40, I think, if you're looking to spend up at that position. 
um, which is of course small forward, but you could also go higher and uh, and take LeBron. But but Gordy is uh, is obviously worth a look in a in a positive matchup for him. He's eight thousand on DraftKings, which I'm less interested in. Um, yeah, the higher price with the lower salary cap, not not really working for me all that well. Sorry, Gordo, over on uh, on DraftKings. PJ Tucker at thirty nine hundred. I'm gonna pass. Joey Johnson, Joe Ingles, no thanks. Power forward Derek Favors, forty eight hundred. No, not not until he's um. Not until he's back getting 30 minutes at this point. 4,800 is not a bad price, and you could definitely look at it in the GPP, especially in this matchup, but not uh, not happening for me just at this point. Marquise Chris, no thanks at all. Alex Len, no. Dragon Bender. Bite my shiny metal ass. Um, 3,700. Limited to 11 minutes in the last game because Earl Watson had to bench him so that they could get a meaningless win, so congratulations, Earl. He'd been playing fantastically prior to that. This could be somewhat of a blowout. So maybe we see 25 minutes of Dragon. Maybe that gives us 25 points. 3,700 Dragon Bender. GPPs, put him in your player pool. I think he's absolutely worth a look in those player pools, but nothing in cash. And if you're throwing a single entry lineup in, I don't believe he fits your best lineup, but there's absolutely upside there in a potential blowout situation where Earl Watson goes maybe we're not winning and let's run with our, our busted up old veterans. Let's uh, let's see Bender out there for another 25 and let's see him give us 30 fantasy points. Could totally work out. Boris Diaw, Trey Lyles. I don't really see a path for those guys being good DFS plays. At center, Rude Gobert. 7,800 for Gobert on Fangio. Yeah, that's, that's too high. Don't love that at all. Um... He's been a hard guy to use, I believe, in DFS. He's 7,300 on DraftKings. Again, I don't really love it. I think it's okay. But yeah, Phoenix has been decent. They've been actually a negative for centers. So, yeah, not, not happening for me there. Sorry, Rude. And the Tyson Chandler situation, we never know which one we're going to get. 16-minute Tyson, 36-minute Tyson, 25-minute Tyson. No chance of being able to understand that. But playing against Gobert, you might be in for a bigger minute situation from Chandler. And... At 4,800, if he gets 36 minutes, it could work out, but it's it's somewhat of a long shot, I believe. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up 2016 now with the last game of the night, and that is the Los Angeles Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. No spread released here. Chris Paul is questionable. Wes Johnson is questionable, and Vic Oladipo for the Thunder is doubtful with that sore wrist, but at least he's been ruled upgraded from out to doubtful, so we should be getting a return from from Vic pretty soon. Point guards, Russ, twelve thousand bucks. Um, Chris Paul defense is is a marginal worry, but he you should be getting fifty five out of Russ here. So if you don't want to go double cheap, so MCW Brogo, then um, then Russ is one of those ones to go for. As for Chris Paul, ninety five hundred, I think there will be that minutes restriction on him again, so that makes him um, not not as interesting to me. Not not really going to be. Uh, not going to be looking at him too closely here. We don't even know if he's playing. Now, if he is out, then it means Austin Rivers will probably start. He's at 4,300. Austin, absolutely look at that. I think there's value in Austin Rivers. Less so because Redick is playing, but he'd be a GPP guy to take a look at. And Ray Felton, who was fantastic in his minutes today, he's at 3,800. If we hear that he's starting, then you go you go look at Ray Felton, but not sure that, that will necessarily be the case. JJ Redick at 4,400. Mm. Don't hate it, really. He can go big with Griffin out, but GPP's only for uh, for JJ. Jamal Crawford at 43. I think he's out, outlived his uh, usefulness. Alex Abrinias, who's been hitting some threes for the Thunder team. It's not really translating to DFS, though. 
Andre Robertson at 3,600 is averaging nine points across his last three, so it's safe to say I'm not going to be using him. Jeremy Grant, same story. And um, Wes Johnson, Luke Marmute, it is the horriblest mix of small forwards in this game. Ennis Cantor, 5,400. Love what Cantor's been doing. Really think that he's in for a, a decent role here, and he can be a nice, cheap-ish sort of a um, a big man. Looking at 5,400 on Fangio, 5,200 on DraftKings. It can be used on both of those sites. Not with a great deal of confidence. Probably a bit more confident with him on DraftKings at the slightly lower salary and the double-double bonus, but definitely can be looked at on both sites. Um, Mo Spates had 26 today. He's at 4,200. He's okay. He's all right. I I wouldn't be doing it outside of GPPs, though. For the centers, DeAndre Jordan, 7,200. He's really been getting these numbers cracking lately. The Steve Adams defense is somewhat of a concern, but I would I would feel okay with using DeAndre Jordan. I think that we're seeing some big numbers from him, and it is and even offensively we saw some big numbers from him today as well. He's at 7,200 over on DraftKings as well, which is less appealing, um, but definitely can be used on both sides. Steve Adams at 5,400. He's been putting up nice nice returns, 28 points over the last five and at 5,400, that's that's giving you value. Not the best center on the board, obviously, but there's um, there's value in both of these guys. All right, that is all of the games for uh, for New Year's Eve. Let's look now at the picks of the day. On Fangio, we have got Brogo, 3,900. Of course, MCW is another option. Kemba's at 79, and Kyrie's at 86. Shooting guards, Jezza Lamb, 38. Eric Gordon, 57. And Yanni at 10,500. The small forwards, Kid Gilchrist, 47, Gordo at 7,900, and LeBronald at 10,300. The power forwards, Nick Muratich, 44, Jabari Parker, 72, and Kevin Love, 85, and the centers. The table, 4,200, Greggy Munro, 5,000, and Demarcus Cousins, 11,200. For the DraftKings guys, MCW, 3 grand, Kyrie, 79, and Yanni at 9,8. Shooting guards, Brogo, 3,900, Eric Gordon, 58, and Jimmy Harden, 11,9. Small forwards, Matty Barnes, 3,500, Mallow at 71, and LeBronald at 10,400. The power forwards, Nick Miritich, 41, Porzingis, 72, and Boogie, 11,100. And the centers, Greggy Munro, 4,600. Who is next? The table, 5,000, and Kevin Love, 8,700. Let's now look at the Aussie sites. Moneyball, Georgie Hill, 3,700. If you don't play George Hill, you're not playing DFS right Kyrie Irving, 7,800. Russ at 12.5. Shooting guards, Brogos at 35. Batum's at 72. And Jimmy Harden's at 11. Small forwards, TJ Warren, 39. Gordy Hayward, 7,000. And Jim Butler at 81. The power forwards, Montrez, the table at 35. Porzingis, 72. And Love at 8,000. And the centers, Greggy Munro, 46. And Ennis Cancer, 5,000. On draft stars, MCW, 5,250. Derek Rose, 9,900. And Kyrie, 15,050. At shooting guard, Brogos at 56, Gordon's 11.5, and Nick Batum at 15.350. At small forward, Jezza Lamb, 6.200, Jabari, 12.250, and Jim Butler, 14.750. The power forwards, the tables at 5,900, Tristan Thompson, 9.850, and Kevin Love at 16.150, and the centers, Chris Felizio, 5,000, Ennis Cantor, 9,850, and of course, rounding things out for 2016, 14,600. 
we are done. I hope you guys again have a very, very happy New Year's Eve, a prosperous 2017 in both fantasy basketball, seasonal DFS, and your life, your love life, your work life, your school life, whatever it is you're doing. I hope 2017 is kind to you. Thank you for all the support throughout 2016. It has been totally invaluable, so I do really, really appreciate that. And uh, by invaluable, I don't mean it hasn't been valuable. I mean it's been priceless. Maybe that's the word I'm trying to get to, or I can't put a value on it. It's been that good. If you want to add something else to the value, go and leave a review on iTunes. It does help the podcast immensely. Immensely, Check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, Basketball Monster. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Isaiah Thomas.